So, um, the very first line is quite challenging in itself. The daughters of Zelophehad, uh, sorry, I'll start again. The daughters of Zelophehad, son of Ephah, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, belong to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The names of the daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirzah. They approached the entrance of the tent of meeting and stood before Moses. Eliezer, the priest, the leaders and the whole assembly, and said, our father died in the desert. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan? Because he had no son. Give us property among our father's relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord said to him, What Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father's inheritance over to them. Say to the Israelites, if a man dies and leaves no son, give his inheritance over to his daughter. If he has no daughter, give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father has no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan, that he may possess it. This is to be a legal requirement for the Israelites, as the Lord commanded Moses. A man who had five daughters. That's what I was just going to say, does that sound familiar? Um, not many men who have uh, five daughters but um, Zelophehad did. Marla, Noah, Holder, Milka, and Tirza. Well done. You're pretty good on, on, on that. Um, but this is a, an account of something that happened um, something like 3,500 years ago. What do these girls have to say to you and me today? Well, they have a lot to say. At the beginning, I read from, uh, from Colossians um, uh, chapter 1. And that um, was written by Paul about 1,400 years after um, the account of the daughters of Zelophehad. And there is a great similarity between those, those two passages. Because in both of them, you have an inheritance. With the daughters of Zelophehad, it was an earthly inheritance. Paul is saying to the Colossian Christians that they have an inheritance too, but it's, it's a heavenly inheritance. And with the daughters of Zelophehad, um, they, were, they were excluded. At the beginning of the passage, they were excluded from that inheritance. The people of Israel were coming out of Egypt they were coming to a promised land. The land had been promised to the people, but everything that was spoken about inheritance was in terms of the men. It was in terms of the men and their, and their families having a part in that inheritance. 
And what we have in Colossians was that there was a point at which you and I, those of us who are Christians, were once excluded from the heavenly inheritance. But for the daughters of Zelophehad, um, something happened to enable them to be fit to have a part in the, in the inheritance. And something has happened to you and me if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that enables us to have confidence that when we one day have to stand before God, that we will be accepted and we will have a part in that inheritance. And what's so helpful about these girls, Marla, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirza, is that the, uh, the way that they obtained the inheritance, the, uh, the earthly inheritance, is exactly the way that you and I inherit the heavenly in, uh, in the, the heavenly inheritance so it's worthwhile as listening to it i'm presuming today all of us all of us are uh, christians all of us are believers in the lord jesus christ but they still have something to teach us and if you're not a believer in the lord jesus christ this morning then it really has there really is something um that that you, we can learn from this um So what we have in the, how these girls, the daughters of Zilophihad, gained an inheritance for, for some very, very simple lessons. The first thing is this, they believed in the inheritance. I mean, you might say, well, you know, what's so, what's so good about that? What's so important about that? Simply because of this. They had been, the people of Israel had been told that God was going to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. It was going to be a land of, of trees. It was going to be a land that would be fertile. It was a land that would be rich. And these, these girls were born in the wilderness. They were born in the wilderness of Sinai. We know this because um, God had said that everyone that would, had come out of Egypt, everyone that had come out of Egypt and had disobeyed him would not enter the land. Only those who were born in the wilderness would enter the land. So all of these girls are under the age of 40. They're still in the wilderness, but they're probably in their teens and early 20s. Because people married uh, younger in, in those days. So we've got these girls probably in their teens, their, their early 20s. And what they realize is, uh, and, and they believed that they were coming into the land that uh, God had promised them. Every morning that they woke up, or six days out of seven when they woke up, that the, the earth was white. And that was the manna. So they ate that, and then the land was, um, it was just brown. Um, and and that's thought, that's their, that was their whole world. Now, to try to explain to people about heaven, about a heavenly realm, that we, we are able to go to, to many people today, it's just nonsense. 
To try to explain what heaven is like is trying to, or, and indeed <laughs> trying to explain what the earthly inheritance was like to those girls would have been like trying to explain a rainbow to a man born blind. It was something that was beyond their uh, understanding, something beyond their grasp, something that they had not, they were totally unfamiliar with because they'd been born in that wilderness. That was all they were aware of. But they believed in that inheritance. And that's how we, that's the first step we take in becoming Christians. We realize that there is a, that there is a heavenly inheritance. And to try, the, the, the Bible, when it explains heaven to us, explains it in terms that are figurative. They have to be figurative simply because of the fact that we can't understand that heavenly realm. All we have to go on is what we see here. And yet we believe it, at least I hope you believe it, that it's there because God has said it. And the, these girls believed God meant what he said. They believed there was an inheritance. The second thing is, not only did they believe there was an inheritance, they wanted a part in the inheritance. Now, there are people who believe in the heavenly inheritance, and yet they never give any thought to whether they want to go there. Let me give you an illustration. Many years ago, I was traveling on a train uh, from London to um, uh, to Portsmouth, um, I was going to be I was going to be preaching in the Portsmouth Southampton area, and there were two of us in the compartment. There was me, and I I just wanted to read, so I'm reading, and there's a guy opposite me, and I don't know why it is, but people on planes and trains. Um, seem to think that, you know, I'm the kind of person that they can talk to. I don't know why it is, but they do. And this guy suddenly says to me, what are you reading? So I held up the book. He says, oh, is that theology? So I said, yeah, it is. He said, uh, oh, he said, I go, to, I go to Winchester Cathedral every Sunday morning. Um, so that was it. I, you know, he caught my attention. So I went over and sat next to him. And I said, so that must be pretty interesting, going to Winchester Cathedral every Sunday morning. Oh, yeah, he said. So he started to tell me how wonderful it all, it all was. And after I'd listened to him, I said, um, well, you're obviously a very religious guy. Oh, yes, he said, I'm very religious. So I said, has your religion brought you to the place where you know that if we, in five minutes' time, this plane was, this train was to crash, and we both died, that you go to heaven. And this guy, I've never seen anybody so shocked in my life. He, he just looked at me and I said, so do you know that? Would you go, are you going to heaven? And he said, um, well, I don't really give much thought to it. So I said, okay, well, give some thought to it now. If, you, if, this plane, if this train was to, to crash uh, and you were to die, God forbid that it should happen, we both were to die, would, would you go to heaven? 
And he said to me, I don't know. So I said, would you like to know? And he said, what do you mean? So I said, I can, I can tell you the way to get to heaven. And I can tell you so clearly that if we were to die in five minutes time, that you know you would go to heaven. Do you want to know? And I've never seen anybody so freaked out in my life. It, I don't think he would have looked more shocked if I'd, if I'd held a gun at him and said, I'm going to kill you. And um, it was very evident they, they didn't want to talk to me anymore. So I went and I read my theology book. But isn't it strange? You know, there are people who believe in heaven. And that guy did. Went to church on, uh, not just to church, but he went to Winchester Cathedral every Sunday. And yet he didn't know that he was going to heaven. And what's more, he didn't want to know. Must have thought I was some kind of fanatic or something like that. But these girls wanted a place in the, in the earthly inheritance. And the thing is, if, if they had just um, decided, well, it'll be okay. You know, it'll be okay on the day. Um, they would have never got the inheritance. Everything had been, uh, everything about the inheritance was given in terms of, in terms of what happens to men, what happens to the heads of households and so on. Now, it wasn't that God didn't intend that women should have a part in the inheritance. It's just that the people had read what God said so literalistically that they didn't see any, anything beyond the men. And yet what happened, because the, the girls were insistent, they, they, were going, they, they, wanted a, uh, they wanted a part in the inheritance. And they got it. And it became, it became a law. It was written down as a law. And what we find at the end of the book of Numbers, the last chapter of the book of Numbers, chapter 36, is the whole chapter is given to the daughters of Zelophehad. The whole chapter is given to them uh, and how, they, how it was uh, put in, in, uh, in law that they would have a part. And then you look in, uh, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 16, and there's, uh, and there's a special part of Deuteronomy 16 that's given over to these girls getting their inheritance. So they believed in the inheritance. They wanted a part in the inheritance, and they got it. But there was more to it than that wasn't just that they were kind of wishing that everything was going to be okay. The third thing is that they asked for a part in the inheritance. And there are many people, again, who I met before I was a Christian, when I was an atheist, I would say to my friend um, who, who believed in God, I would say, you know, Tony, I don't believe in God, but I'm sure that if there is a heaven, that he'll let me in. Because I'm better than a lot of people who are religious. A better person they are, you know, it'll be okay. I think I'm pretty sure I'll be all right. And there came a day when I realized it was not going to be all right. And these girls ask, they thought, um, 
it'll be okay. I'm sure it'll be okay. They would have ended up homeless in the promised land because th th they asked. And when you think about it, that's it's pretty simple, really, when, when you think about it. None of us can go into just into somebody else's house and imagine that, uh, you know, we can just do that. When I was... Um, uh, when I was 10 years old, uh, the local council moved everybody down our, the area where I lived uh, into new accommodation. They pulled everything down. I used to tell my girls that, um, that we, the house we, houses we lived in were so bad that um, they pulled them down to build slums. Um, but it was, it was pretty rough. And they decided that they were going to, the council decided they were going to move us out to nicer places in Hull. And uh, so they were moving us to a place, and it was so good. This house we moved to was so good, uh, so wonderful. It had running water in, in the house. Not only that, it had a loo in the house. Not only did it have a loo in the house, but it had a bath in the house. Uh, so, you know, we were really moving away into, into something that, that was, was great. And, uh, but the thing is, we were moving to an area which was unlike the area we'd moved from in, in a lot of different ways. Back in that, uh, in the places that were worse than slums where we lived, people didn't lock their doors at night. You could just walk in, in, Everybody knew everybody, and they just walked into one another's houses. And Mrs. Brewer um, moved to the end of our, our street where we were moving to. And what Mrs. Brewer had been used to was this. They, uh, this, will, this will surprise uh, some people here, um, that they clo the shops closed at 5 o'clock at night. They weren't open all night like Tesco's are these days. Um, it closed at five o'clock at night. Five o'clock on the dot opened at eight o'clock the next morning on the dot. And so what happened was if the shops were closed and you, you didn't have, and you needed some milk or you needed some bread or you needed anything, um, you would go into somebody else's house and ask them if you could borrow some. Can I borrow some milk? Mrs. Brewer didn't realize that things were different to that in Midway Grove. And so um, she and her family move into the house and it gets to be at half past five and the shops are closed and she wants to make her family a cup of tea, but she hasn't got any sugar. So Mrs. Brewer did what she normally did um, in Florence Terrace. And uh, she went next door and tried the door. And she was going to go in and ask if she could have a cup of sugar. So the, the, uh, the, the door was closed. It was locked. Strange. So she goes to the next house, tries the door, door's locked, tries the next. And she just kept going until she found, found a house where the, the house was open. And unfortunately for Mrs. Brewer, she, she found Mrs. Foote's house. And so it was uh, dark. Um, and uh, as she opened the door, 
she noticed that there was a, there was a, 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 a the, the, the living room, that there was somebody in the living room because there was a clap crack with light showing. So Mr. and Mrs. Foote are sitting watching television with their sons. And this strange lady they've never met in their life stands there saying, excuse me, love, can, can you give me a cup? Can you let me borrow a cup, cup of sugar? I, I don't think Mrs. Brewer got her sugar. Uh, but she got the sharp end of Mrs. Foote's tongue. Don't you ever come in my house again. Because you, 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 you just can't do that, can you? Well, we used to, but you can't do that anymore. And I don't know whether some of you remember 1982. And the Queen was uh, sleeping one night and she woke up and she found a man called Michael Fagan sitting at the foot of her bed. And he was drinking a, a cup of uh, a, a glass of Prince Charles's um, wine. And he, he was having a bit of a hard time. His wife had left him. And so he thought he would go and have a talk with the Queen. And somehow he managed to get over the walls of Buckingham Palace. He managed to get into, the, in, into Buckingham Palace had a wander around, helped himself to Prince Charles's wine, and then found the Queen's bedroom. And he sat down there, and, she, and our, Her Majesty woke up, and there was Michael Fagan sitting there, um, wanting to have a chat with her. Um, for some strange reason, they didn't send him to prison, but uh, he could very well have gone to prison. And um, yeah, he wasn't welcome in the Queen's house. He thought he would be. And there are many people who imagine that, you know, when they die, even though they've never been to church in their life, they'll walk into heaven and they'll have a look at, around and they'll choose their particular mansion because they've heard that there, is, there are many mansions in heaven and they will make their home there. But you can't do that. And what, what, what is true of this world is true of the next world. And so the important thing is that people ask. Pro, uh, a, a fundamental principle is that if we hope to, if we believe in heaven, if we want to go to heaven, that we ask. And then the last thing is they ask the right person. They come to Moses, Aaron, Eliezer, and uh, the, the, the top men, but mainly Moses. And they ask him, because Moses is the man that God had chosen to redeem his people from, from Egypt and bring them into that promised land. Now, the thing is, Moses was not a man that you could... Um, get on the wrong side of very easily. In fact, the, what the girls said was that their father did not die in the rebellion of Korah. Now, Korah was a Levite. He was one of the priestly tribe. And he and his, uh, and a group of guys who were of the tribe of, of, um, of Levi had rebelled against Moses. They said, you're taking too much on yourself. You think the only, you're the only leader here. And Aaron, I mean, who, who's he? You know, the, the, you all think that you're special. Well, they were. 
because God had chosen them. The Levites were special as well because they had been given charge of the tabernacle. They were to look after it, but that wasn't good enough for them. They wanted to be priests, so they take, said, you're taking too much upon yourself. You think you're so great. And what happened was that when they rebelled against Moses, the ground opened up and swallowed them. And the girls say, look, our father wasn't, uh, wasn't amongst those who rebelled against you. He died for his own sin, not for the sin of, of Korah. Um, so don't hold the, the, the sin, don't hold the sins of others against us. Please give us, give us a, a, an inheritance in the land that we're going to. Now, I think the thing is, we don't know when this, when they actually took it upon themselves to come and ask Moses about this. It may have been, uh, there may have been several more years for them to go uh, before uh, the 40 years were up. And we, they knew also that when the people had come out of Egypt, God had given the Ten Commandments and the people um, built a golden calf. And when Moses came down from the mountain, he got pretty angry about that. Smashed the golden calf to pieces, put it in the water, and to those who would, who would worship the golden calf, he says, drink it. He did not want to get on the wrong side of, uh, of Moses. 3,000 people died as a result of that. So maybe, you know, the girls talked among themselves about Look, Marla, you're, you're a good speaker. You know, perhaps you ought to speak to Moses about this. Or uh, Noah, you know, you're, you're the pretty one. You know, you, you talk to Moses. The thing is that what happened was in the end that they came together and they said to Moses, unless you do something, we're not going to get into we're not going to have an inheritance in the promised land please do something and and that's what happened they were given an inheritance in the land and and not only do we read about it in numbers chapter 27 but in 36 and uh, deuteronomy chapter 16 also these girls are mentioned in the book of chronicles they're mentioned there is the, these girls are outstanding. And you know, I'm, I've known people who do believe in heaven. They want to go to heaven. And they recognize that you've got to ask. But they never ask the right person. It's really important to ask the right person. It, it would have been no good for these girls if they decided to go to Aaron. Would it be no good for these girls if they decided to go to Eliezer or to any of the others? It, it, Moses was the man. And so when we come to the New Testament, there's a man that we have to ask. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 
Jesus, the, the, Moses was the one that had been appointed by God. Because Moses was appointed by God, he was the man that we went to. And so with, according to the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 1, what has happened is that Jesus, by his death, had brought, has brought redemption to us. Jesus, through the blood of his cross, has brought redemption to us. And it was Moses that brought redemption to the people from Egypt. And there was blood involved in that also. It was the blessed blood of the Passover lamb. And in the New Testament, Jesus is the Passover lamb. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, through, the, the, uh, through the blood of his cross, Jesus has redeemed us. That's a teaching all the way um, through the New Testament. So we, we believe in heaven. Uh, we want, we've, we've come to the place where we want a, 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 an inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. We've asked, the, we've asked, hopefully, we've asked the person. We've asked, we've asked the right person. So that Jesus can say, He who comes to me, I will in no way cast out. And there are people who are, I, I've met people who are afraid of Jesus. Um, you know, Jesus, you don't know how I've lived. Why would Jesus receive me? Because he says so. Thing with Moses was he was scary because um, all the experience that they'd had of Moses was that you mustn't get on the wrong side of him. But with Jesus, we ha everything we know about Jesus from the New Testament is that Jesus is willing to receive us if we're willing to come to him. And over the, over the years, I've found people who just have this idea that, not like the man in the, in the train, but they just have this idea that somehow they are too bad. You know, I'm too bad to be forgiven. And my response to that is, yes, you are, but so am I. And yet God forgives us anyway. And he forgives us because of what Jesus has done for us. Believing in the inheritance, wanting a part in the inheritance, asking for a part in the inheritance, and asking the right person. Simple, isn't it? What could be simpler? What, what could be more straightforward? And so all of us, I mean, I, I know all of you. Uh, I didn't know who was going to be here this morning, but um, it's good for us to be reminded of these things, isn't it? Good for us to be reminded of heaven. Good for us to remind ourselves, I want a part in the inheritance. Good for us to remind ourselves that we've asked. Good to remind ourselves that we've asked the right person. And that person, whatever we did before, whatever we were before, 
um, says, whoever comes to me, I will in no way cast out. Great to have. I mean, so I meet Jewish people over the years. I've met Jewish people. Remember talking to a Jewish lady some years ago, and I asked her, you know, you're obviously very religious. Um, when I, uh, she was she was preparing for the Sabbath when when I uh, when I called at her door, I said, you're obviously a very religious lady. Oh yeah, I'm very religious. You know, I I go to uh, go to synagogue. Uh, every Saturday morning, I said, so has your religion brought you to the point where you know that you're, gonna, you're going to paradise? She said, well, you don't really think about it, do you? So don't you think you ought to think about it? She said, well, you know, you, you, you just don't. I said, if your, fa if your family, if you were going to go to have a go off to the rest of your life to Australia. Don't you think you would prepare for that? I said, well, yeah. So don't you think you ought to prepare for when you move from this life? Well, you, as I say, you don't really think about it, do you? And it's good for us to remind ourselves from time to time of these things, because it's good for our own assurance. I mean, I, I meet Christians and they're good Christians. And they have no assurance of going to heaven because they still think that it depends on me. I don't mean me, I mean themselves, you know. It's good to remind ourselves from time to time. It doesn't depend on me. I believe in the inheritance. I want a part in the inheritance. I've asked and I've asked the person who says, if you ask me, I'll never turn you away.